I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This talk continues our teaching series, really, where we look at the words and the teachings of Jesus and see what it looks like to really live a life like Christ. Today we talked about the church and how Jesus explains that nothing can stop him from building his body of believers. Join us as we look at the teachings of Jesus and how we can live our lives more and more like him. So we're in the middle of the series called Really, where we're simply looking at the red letters of Jesus. And these red letters can be found in four different books in the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we're investigating these words, these letters that share what Jesus said. And we're asking the question as we look at these red letters and these sayings of Jesus, do I really want to live like that? And here's why we're asking that question. It's because Jesus said some incredible things. He said some earth-shattering kinds of things. He said some hard things. And when we look at those red letters, it begs us to ask, do we really want to live like that? I mean, do we really want to be like Jesus? And I want to thank Ben Jones for launching, really, last week. He did a great job with looking at Matthew chapter 15. Can we thank him for that? And if you didn't get the chance to hear that, you can check it out online, and I would encourage you to do that because it was just a great challenge. So the word really, by itself, is kind of a fascinating word. It's certainly not a new word, but it's not fusty either. It's kind of taken a life of its own as it's weaved its way into the fabric of our culture as a sarcastic kind of word. Like, have you ever been listening to someone talk and they're just kind of droning on and on and on and they're not really saying anything important and their words don't make sense and you're like, really? I don't understand anything that you're saying at all, really. Or have you ever been listening to someone talk and they're sharing what they believe? And you're like, really? You believe that? Wow, really? Or have you ever been listening to a politician share their vision for America and what it's going to take to create new jobs and get great health care and overcome trade deficits and you find yourself staring at the TV saying, really, you think that's going to fix all of our problems? Really? See, really is a sarcastic kind of word, and it fits together. They just work in tandem. But maybe you don't find yourself using the word really that way. Perhaps you find yourself using it as more of an expression or a response to something that's kind of overwhelming. Like, really? When we were still living in Illinois... Tanya called me one day and said, hey, we've got a guy coming who's going to clean our carpets. And I'm like, yay, clean carpets. This is wonderful. This is a fantastic idea. I love clean carpets. Go clean carpets. This will be wonderful. 
So I got home and the guys showed up and what we didn't realize is that he was really a vacuum cleaner salesperson. And he was just going to clean a patch of the carpet and then try to sell us the vacuum cleaner. You know how this works. It's probably happened to you too at some point in life. And so he cleaned the little patch and then he did his whole spiel. And that vacuum cleaner was absolutely amazing. I mean, it would have been the best piece of equipment that we had ever owned in our life. The vacuum cleaner was better than our house. And I was hooked. Like, I need this thing. I mean, it just blew my mind. It was incredible. And I wanted it until I discovered how much it cost. And then I was a bit overwhelmed. Like, really? Not only is the vacuum cleaner better than my house, it's more expensive than my house. Really? So let's just take a little quiz here to see if we're using the word really perhaps too much. So let's have some fun with this, and you can find these questions on the screen. First of all, how often do you find yourself using the word really? A, never, B, occasionally, or C, really? I use the word really just way too much. What do you think? Here's question number two. If you have a teenager, how many times a day do you catch them rolling their eyes and using the word really? A, once or twice. B, every other word. Or C, only when I jump up on the table and sing Bad Medicine by Bon Jovi. (laughs) Bon Jovi fan here, not afraid to admit it. Here's question three. How many times have you looked at your husband or wife and sarcastically said, really? A, this has never happened. B, only when they're not looking. Or C, just once with my bags at the front door. See, I think there's something for all of us to think about here. Not only do we use the word really, but I think God occasionally uses the same word, when he looks at his children, when he looks at his kids. And that's what we are. If we've responded to his forgiveness and his leadership, we belong to him. And when we begin the process of saying, you know what, I want to live like Jesus. I mean, I want my life to be defined by what I find right here in scripture. I want my life to be in sync with the Bible. I want my life to reflect the words of Jesus. I want to do what he said. That's what I want for my life. But then we don't actually pull that off. And God's like, really? I mean, you said you wanted to live this way and you wanted to do these types of things. But now you're not even close to that. Really? See, here's the reality. If we want to live like Jesus, then we have to follow after him. Let's think about that for a moment. If we really want to live like Jesus, then we have to follow after him. It's not about being beside him and offering some suggestions. It's not about being out in front of him and saying, hey, Jesus, I've got this great idea and you need to follow what I'm doing because I'm amazing and this is absolutely incredible. No, if we want to live like Jesus, if we really want that, then this is about following after him It's about listening to his words and then doing his words. It's really that simple. So today, we're going to look at some more words of Jesus. 
we're going to investigate some of the things that he said that just beg us to act. They kind of motivate us to move, and it all centers around something called the church. So here's our big idea for today. I'm really excited about this. So do you really want to live like Jesus? Then love his church. Have this deep love and passion for what God is doing in his church. Do you really want to live like Jesus? And love his church. I think for most of us, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. I mean, that's not that threatening. That's not that hard. Most of us would probably say that we love his church. I mean, my goodness, we're here, right? But see, this is so much more than just coming into a nice building and hearing some nice music and a nice talk while sitting in a nice chair and drinking nice coffee. No, Jesus is talking about a group of people here that would be an unstoppable force of goodness that would push back the darkness. He's talking about a group of people here that would completely do what Jesus said in every area of life, in every way. That's the church, this unstoppable movement of goodness. So the paragraph that we're going to unpack today is found in Matthew chapter 16. It's a great paragraph. And what we find happening here is that Jesus is taking his disciples, his close followers, to the city of Caesarea Philippi. And it's kind of a big deal that they're in this city. What's really unique here is that often when we read scripture, we kind of really glaze over things. And yeah, it's just another city and we don't know much about it. We really don't know where it's at. It's somewhere over there. And so we won't worry ourselves about that. We just kind of move on. But the fact that Jesus took his close followers to Caesarea Philippi is huge. And so we got to investigate this. We got to think about it. See, this city became a religious center for the worship of Pan. Pan was a Greek god. He was half man and half goat. And Greek legend has it that Pan would come out and he would bring out a flute that had seven pipes on it and he would begin to play this thing and a bunch of nymphs would begin to run around and do crazy things. This is the legend of Pan. It sounds like some bizarre kind of movie, doesn't it? Where there's things running around and stuff flying. This is Caesarea Philippi. This stuff was actually going on. It's a little bizarre. It's a little out there. And it's in this setting that Jesus encouraged his followers to build a church that would overcome the worst of the worst. Jesus said, I've got an idea. Let's build a church right here in this place. How about it, guys? I mean, we've got half man, half goat. We've got nymphs. We've got crazy things going on and all kinds of grotesque things. Let's do a church right here. And you know this had to surprise people. Like, really? I mean, Jesus, don't you think it'd be a better idea if you would build a church in your hometown? I mean, that's kind of warm and romantic. That sounds great. Why don't you build a church there? Or why don't you build a church where you were baptized? I mean, that has history just written all over it. Or why don't you build a church in one of the temples where you taught and you challenged people? Do that. 
in that type of environment? Or why don't you build a church on the mountainside where you taught and you healed so many people? Or why not go into the home of the leper that is now whole and healed and start a church in his home? Or why not go to the blind man who can now see and begin a church right there? That makes sense. That sounds spectacular. That sounds fantastic. Why a place of darkness like Caesarea Philippi? Well, Jesus was doing something really special here and we can't miss this. See, Caesarea Philippi's location was especially unique because it stood at the base of a cliff with a giant crack in this cliff. And the people in Caesarea Philippi believed that that crack was a portal to the underworld. And Pan would go in and out of this place and nymphs would go in and out and all kinds of crazy things would fly in and out of this place. And they called it the gates of hell. That was the name of it. And in order to, return, uh, to just kind of entice the return of Pan and all of this craziness, they would gather together and begin to scream and shout and do all kinds of grotesque things. I mean, icky stuff happened on this rock. Icky stuff happened in this city. And they would entice Pan to come out. And in the middle of all of this, Jesus says, let's build a church on this place. Let's build a church in this city. So Jesus brings his followers to this place and it had to be shocking to them. And you know, at some point in the whole conversation, they're like, uh, Jesus, uh, come over here for a second because we need to talk about this whole Caesarea Philippi thing. I mean, Jesus, look, we, we know you're really crazy about people. And we get that. And uh, we understand that you've got this whole son of God thing going for you as well. And so you've got this direct line and that's all incredible. But this, I mean, this idea to do something like build an organization that would change the world in a grotesque place, to, to build a church in a red light district where we shouldn't be. I mean, this is crazy. We should not be here. And it's to those individuals that Jesus kind of looked at and said, well, really? Really, we, we shouldn't be here thinking about building an organization that will touch these lives and change their world? And Jesus then began to share some incredible words that we find in Matthew chapter 16. So starting with verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. All right, so here's the place. It's craziness that happens in this city. Pan and all kinds of crazy things. So they're there, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, well, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's who you are. Verse 17, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. 
Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. He's the first rocky. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So what's Jesus saying here? I mean, what's going on here at Caesarea Philippi? Well, some people believe that Jesus is saying, you, Peter, are the one that I'm going to build the church on. And you're going to be the leader of this unstoppable force of goodness. And you're going to do great things. And there's no doubt that Peter was an amazing leader in the early church. When you walk through the book of Acts, you find all kinds of things about Peter and how he led and how he helped that early church grow. He was a great leader. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I think there's something else going on that's really incredible that kind of makes your hair stand straight up. Like it's just out there. So here's what I think Jesus is saying. I think he's validating Peter. Like, you're right. You got it. I am Jesus, the Messiah. That's who I am. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And so I think the real question here is, what rock is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about Peter, who is nicknamed Rocky? Or is he talking about another kind of rock? Well, I believe, based on what we find here, that Jesus is talking about another kind of rock. I believe that he was saying, upon this rock, the one that we're standing on, right here at Caesarea Philippi, that I'm going to build my church. Upon this rock, where terrible things happened, in this place that is filled with ungodly values, in this place where people really don't care about finding Jesus at all, in this place where we've got half man and half goat and all kinds of craziness going on, in this place I will build my church and the gates of hell, this little portal that they think is the entrance to that place, it will not be able to stop what I have the ability to build. And Jesus presented a clear challenge with his words at Caesarea Philippi. He kind of looked at those who were around him and said, look, I don't want my followers hiding from evil. I mean, this is an evil place and it would be really easy to run from all of this, but I don't want my followers hiding from evil. And I don't want my followers running from culture. I don't want my followers just clustered in safe little groups with people like themselves while ignoring the ones who really need to hear about the hope of Jesus. Here's what I want for you. And here's what I want for my church. I want them to go and serve and love, in this case, the city of Caesarea Philippi. And he was asking them to do that through something called the church. And it's just kind of incredible what is happening here. I mean, it's so exciting and thrilling, some of these words of Jesus. And so here's what Jesus said. There's three kind of statements that we can lift right out of Matthew chapter 16. Here's statement number one. Jesus said, it's my church. It's my church. I mean, I've got this, meaning that we've got the best owner, operator, founder, CEO, CFO ever. I mean, it's his. It's not mine it's not yours, it's his. And that's really good news because I sin and I fail 
and I disappoint and I will continue to do that, but Jesus never does that. I mean, it's not part of how he operates. And so here you've got this great owner and operator and CEO saying, I'm going to build my church. It's mine. This is my place. Here's statement number two. Jesus said, I will build my church. So I own it. I mean, I got it. I can write the check for this any day of the week. Not only do I own it, but I will build my church, meaning that the owner hasn't forgotten about us. He's still here. Jesus, the owner, is still here, right at Valley Point, and he's still interested. He hasn't sold us or merged us with another division. He hasn't outsourced us. It's his, and he's building it. He's building Valley Point. Not us, he's doing it. And he said he would. You know, it's almost like Jesus got these followers together and said, look, here's the deal. I mean, we get the chance to build something that will benefit others. We get the chance to build something that are for those who aren't like us. Half man, half goat, nymphs, crazy things. Not like us. We're going to build it for them. We're going to do it right here at the gates of hell. And we get the opportunity to build an organization that exists for the benefits of non-members. And it will be the greatest organization that the world has ever seen and has ever known. And I'm the one who's going to build it. It's amazing. Here's statement number three. Jesus said, my church the one that I own and the one that I'm building, it cannot be conquered. It can't, meaning we can win. Really? We can win. So as we sit here today, we're part of a winning organization. I mean, isn't this what most of us want in life? We want to win at something. I know I do, and sometimes life has a lot of wins, and yet there are a lot of losses that we all endure. The beautiful thing about the church, that Jesus said, it's mine, it's mine, and I'm going to build it, and it cannot be conquered, meaning that we're part of a winning organization. Absolutely amazing. And I think sometimes this is overwhelming to me, because I know what I'm like. I know what I think about and what I do and how often I fail God and how often I disappoint. And yet I still get invited to be part of something that he's building and cannot be conquered. Like there are so many other people who could probably do this in a better way. But yet Jesus invites me to be a part of his winning team and he extends that same invitation to you. And this is what he says to Valley Point Church. This place cannot be conquered because I'm here. Just met with our elders this past week. We had a great time just thinking about the future of the church and what does God want for us? And what do we need to be thinking about down the road? And how do we prepare for all this? And how do we plan? And then we ended that whole time with just a really sweet moment where we got to pray. And we basically were just saying, God, 
Help us to stay out of the way of this. I mean, just help us to get out of the way of what you're doing because it's your church. And you're going to build it. You said you would. And it cannot be conquered. And yeah, we need to do our part and we need to work hard. But God, help us to stay out of the way of this because you're doing something amazing in the church. And it's his. Here's the deal, and it's a good deal. The church, us, it's people, it's not buildings, it's us, is vitally important to Jesus. And so if we really want to live like Jesus, if we really want that, then guess what? We have to love his church. It's not an option. He laid it out here in Matthew chapter 16. Look, I'm going to build the church. It's my church. I will build it and it cannot be conquered. So if we really want to live like Jesus, then we have to love his church. How do you actually pull that off? I want to share three thoughts with you. Here's thought number one. Be on mission out there. You want to love his church? And be on mission out there. Be on mission where God has planted you. You know, it is not by mistake that you work where you work. And it's not by mistake that you live where you live. And it's not by mistake that you go to school or you go to school. See, I just believe that God is over all of that and he has planted you where you are at right now for one reason, so that you can be a bright light in that particular spot. And so often we want to move and we want to do something different. And sometimes God allows that for us. But until that time comes, shine where you are and be on mission out there. See, this is for all of us. To help us with being on mission out there, we've got something coming up, a training event that you're going to hear about next week and you're going to have a chance to sign up for. It's called the Coffee House Gospel and it's something that we're going to run in March. And my expectation is that every single person in this church will sign up for that and participate in thinking about how we can be on mission out there. It's that vital. It's that important and you need to be there because if we're going to love his church the way he wants us to, we have to be on mission out there. Got another love week coming in April. We're going to serve Marcus Hook and Linwood. And it's just just another on-ramp to being on mission out there. You know, we just had a group return from Guatemala, and they did some amazing stuff. Listen to what they did. Through them and through God's work in them, 10 people trusted Christ. They served 750 patients, 260 kids were fed at feeding centers. Hundreds of eyeglasses were given out to people who couldn't really see before and don't have the benefit of just going to a store and getting specs. They were able to get them, and our team handed them out. And hundreds of lives were touched. Just hundreds. See, that's all about being on mission out there. And if we're going to love this church... It's what we've got to do. Here's thought number two. Be on mission here. Right? We're a faith community, so you've got to be on mission here. And I'd encourage you just to unpack your bags and make a home for yourself right here. Maybe you've been kicking the tires of this place and wondering if it's for you. You know, just unpack your bags. Be home. And 
Come one hour and serve another hour. Find a spot that works for you and be on mission right here. And here's why. It's because God loves us. And God loves this. He loves this. He just completely loves this in a way that I can't even begin to describe. And so if we want to love his church, we've got to be on mission right here. And we have to love what he loves. So be on mission right here. And then thought number three, pray like never before. Just pray your face off. I mean, do it because God wants to bless this place. And if we ask for it and open ourselves up to that, I believe he'll do it in a great way. So let's just pray, right? Let's just come before God and say, do something in me, the church. And help me reach people. And God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to invite? Who do you want me to get really generous with? Let's just pray our faces off like never before and ask God to help us be on mission out there and in here and touch people's lives. Now, we have a dream here of being a faith community that just opens the doors for all kinds of people and says, come on in. Just come on in. Half goat, half man, we'll figure it out. Come on in. There's a spot for you. And if you see that individual, just smile and wave because there's a place for them. Unchurched, de-churched, over-churched, whatever that looks like for you, come on in. Unloved, unwanted, come on in. Got a past? Come on in. Because we're the church, which is the hope of the world. You know, there has never been a greater time to be part of the church than right now. There's never been a greater time. So let me ask you, do you really want to live like Jesus? Really? Then love his church. Father, we're so thankful for some time to come before you and just ask you to help us think about a very unique passage in a very unique place where you went and you took your followers and you looked at them and said, I want to build a church right here, right at the gates of hell. Let's do it in this place where there's all kinds of craziness. I mean, let's just go for it. And God, from that, we really can discover and learn that you have this amazing love for the church. God, you said you'd build it, you own it, and it cannot be conquered. We're on a winning team. So God, I pray for me right now. I pray for everybody here that's at Valley Point Church. God, would you help us be on mission out there? Help us not to get too content and comfortable with here. That we lose sight of what's out there. Because you've placed us on a rock of sorts and you want us to reach the communities around us. You want us to be an unstoppable force of goodness that pushes back the darkness. So God, help us to be on mission out there and when we go to work 
and when we go to school and when we're just out doing the things that we think are kind of separate from this, God, would you just help us and prompt us that everywhere we go, we're the church, we're the church. And God, help us to be on mission right here because there's a lot of things to be done and sometimes that work isn't always fun, but God, you want us to do it and there's such joy in being on mission here and you love this. God, you said it can't be conquered and so we're part of a winning team. God, help that to energize us. God, we thank you so much for the privilege of just being a part of what you own and what you're building and what cannot be conquered. Use us as the church that we call Valley Point. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 